Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. We did have a great uh, morning in-person gathering. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a lot of fun seeing everybody um, in person again. Um, and Lauren had made some cinnamon rolls that were really dope. They were. They were good. Yeah. <laughs> Fresh That's, out the oven. Yeah, they were. <laughs> um, and so today, talking about this subject of money, this whole this whole month we've been going through series of I am afraid, all the things that people are not comfortable talking about. And when it comes to the subject of money, it's something so general yet so very personal mm-hmm. at the same time. And it's actually the number one reason why a lot of people leave church is because they feel like this church talks about money or they're all about money. Mm-hmm. And um, when it comes to politicians even, it, the idea that, oh, it's all about the money. It's all, money is like the number one divisive um, idea between us and belief systems and followings and etc. Um, and I wanted to start off by reading the scripture in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 34. It says, Don't store up treasures here on earth. This is Jesus talking, by the way, yeah. so you know it's legit. Mm-hmm. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moth eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light that you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. I want us to just pause here for a moment yeah. and just reflect on what Jesus is saying in this. Uh, before we finish the passage. He says something very profound. He says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. He's pretty much saying wherever you spend your money at is what you care about most. Yeah. And that our, our spending habits are a direct connection to what our heart's desire is. Mm-hmm. And so... For example, if you are always dropping flowers on your spouse, you're always going and... Represent. Oh, I forgot I got you flowers. Again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just joking. That was a humble brag. Yeah, but But, you did. Thank you. But that would be an example of like what you spend your money on shows where your heart's desire is. When you're dating your your spouse-to-be... Mm-hmm. It's because all of your all of your bank account is showing that you are trying to get married. You are trying to, to get with that person. You're taking them out to eat. You're buying them cards, gifts, flowers, mm-hmm. whatever. I'm paying gas just to go get them, even though you don't even have any money to go uh, to go anywhere else. You somehow find money to take that person yeah. out, mm-hmm. and it shows that that's the desires of your heart. Yeah. And so Jesus is just showing how connected our hearts are to money. And then he goes on to say that our eye is like a lamp that provides light for our body. Um, And he makes this huge connection about what we're looking at. It it signifies our health. And what he's saying is that what we're coveting, what our desires are, what we're looking towards, our eyes, it, it is literally connecting our heart's desires and what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. And so he's he's trying to describe to us that 
when we think we're all fine, but our eyes say otherwise, mm -hmm. our desires say otherwise, that how deep that darkness is, right. to not even realize the desires you have are, are deceiving you. Mm -hmm. So going on to the rest of the verse, it says, No one can serve two masters, for you will, love, you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Mm -hmm. Let's take another pause. Yeah. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve both God and be enslaved to money. Mm -hmm. Again, I mean, I don't know about you, Lauren, but I, I have not personally laid out some cash on the table and started bowing down to it. Yeah, no, I haven't noticed that. Uh, not not ever since we got married have I done that. <laughs> and I haven't seen Lauren do that either. Yeah, that's true. And yet here Jesus is, is saying that you can't serve two masters. He's saying that the way that we put so much attention on money is the form of worship. Mm -hmm. and, and then he gives this idea about look at the birds and saying that God provides for them like you, you can chill out. Mm -hmm. And going on and finishing the verse and why worry about your clothing look at the lilies of the field and how they grow they don't work or make their clothing yet solomon all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are and if god cares so wonderfully up for wildflowers that are here today and thrown out into the fire tomorrow he will certainly care for you why do you have so little faith so don't worry about these things saying what will we eat what will we drink what will we wear these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Mm -hmm. And then finally, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for <laughs> today. That's like the hashtag of 2020, right? Yeah. <laughs> today is enough for today. Don't worry about November. Don't mm -hmm. worry about the end of the Just year. Don't worry about day. 2021. Yeah. Today is a, has enough worries for today. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, finishing this, this verse up, when Jesus says, why worry about these things? These are, these are not just like wants. These are actual necessities that yeah. he's saying not to worry about. Don't worry about what you will eat. Don't worry about what you will wear. I mean, how long did it take you this morning to, to decide what you're going to wear? How long did you spend mm -hmm. looking at your closet and saying, oh, what am I going to wear today? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, the... And he's saying, don't worry about these things. These are necessities of our lives. And Jesus is saying, don't worry about food. God feeds the ravens, doesn't he? And I want us to, to really break this concept down. Jesus is obviously not telling us to, to, to go on a 360-day a fast, right? Mm -hmm. He's not telling us to not feed ourselves. But what he's doing is personifying. He's giving a hyperbole which is like an, an idea of giving an exaggerated explanation so that we can get it. Mm -hmm. And what he's saying is that we put so much emphasis on, uh, on the idea of money that has power over our lives, even for ordinary things. I mean, how many times have we been worried about, man, are we going to be able to get groceries? Are we going to be able to get food today? Like, how are we going to pay for this? How are we going to pay for that? 
And, and yet we somehow have lived up to this point. Yeah. You know? yeah. And he's saying, uh, it's, he's trying to show us that there, money has so much potential power over us that whether it's a lot or a little bit. And so before we dive into that, what are your thoughts so far? So far, yeah. Um, I mean, really the three things that like pop out to me and not like a long three things is the words like how it continues to say worry. Like it's connecting the thought of worry to money. Yeah. Um, and like how so often like the way that sometimes we worship money or it's our master is then the way that we worry about it yeah and do we get like the times of worry yes we've been there and um it, it's easy to worry about provision and money but i just like homer said a while ago like when you really look back at your life like were there hard times i'm sure have we had hard times yes but god has never failed and like so many times we look back and we're like man i wasted so much time worrying because god always came through and like God is just faithful and I just love how he's like please just stop worrying because worry dominates our, our, our thoughts and like in the next word that really popped out to me was dominate like it, it really um, it's very true that in whatever form it is like money can dominate our thoughts whether it's yeah. through worry or th things that we desire or things that we're pursuing or things that we you know we need money pretty much for almost anything yeah. you know every part of life um, whether it's bills, our children, our future, our present, our enjoyment, entertainment, whatever it is, needs money. And so how easy is it for it to dominate our thoughts? And then um, the very last like ver part of the verse, I like honestly like how straight up Jesus is. Though He's mm -hmm. like, look, like at the end of the day, don't worry. And then you're like, oh, thanks, Jesus told me not to worry. Because today has enough trouble. <laughs> like, you know, and the, today's enough for today. He's like look like Jesus is being real like 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 just stop worrying but just deal with today because there are going to be troubles and there's a verse that says that how Jesus tells us like there's um you're gonna encounter trouble in this world he warns us he protect uh, uh, gives us insight like hey it's not going to be easy breezy but I have overcome the world he says so even with money and worry all this kind of stuff like we just have to literally take it day by day if you're worried about all the things that are going to break down in the near future and you have to pay for, just leave it alone. Like, God's got it. And, um, and yeah, I guess just, like, the whole the whole worry thing, yeah. you know? Um, so, <laughs> the whole yeah. worry thing. The whole worry you know, thing. And, and you're so right because it goes into our next part, which is that money has a po the power when it's a lot or a little bit. Mm -hmm. And a quote that we have is, money has potential power over you. And is typically the number one motivation for the world. And when I say for the world, I'm talking about people, businesses, organizations, especially politicians. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say absolute to where it's like always about money. It's mm -hmm. always a motivation. But typically, a lot of times it is. Right. People are motivated by money. Businesses are motivated by money. Organizations are motivated by money. And politicians are motivated by money. Mm -hmm. And... When it comes to a lot or a little bit, people can behave completely irrationally when they have either a lot or a little of money. Yeah. The power that comes from an abundance of it or a lack of it can completely control and change the way a person thinks. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's people that, has, that have actually won the lottery and got divorced right away. Yeah. There, there's mm -hmm. other people that refuse to marry someone they love because of the lack of money that they had. Yeah. And 
I want you to really grasp that idea that that people choose um, people truly lose their identities when they make money their purpose in life yeah. going into the the let's look at the feelings that come from both a lot in a little bit the feelings when it comes to having an abundance of it gives a false feeling of power yeah. a false feeling of security and even invincibility mm-hmm. and it all comes from allowing the abundance of money to control you mm-hmm. and I mean even you can see this even the way people are like even just going to a restaurant when the, the idea of having this false sense of power in the tip mm-hmm. and people will treat an, a complete stranger rude for no reason because they feel like they have a sense of power mm-hmm. over them with the tip. Yeah. Well, I'm going to give you either a big tip or a little tip based off of how you act right now. Yeah. And and it, that's a small example, but now look at it at a bigger scale. Think about uh, how many times you've either heard a story or seen for yourself of a person that has had great wealth treat others yeah. little and, and less than mm-hmm. because they looked at them as being so impotent compared to their great wealth yeah and now uh and then the idea of security and even invincibility there's so many people that um have stored up all this great wealth to feel secure and then get and then develop a chronic illness that that none of their money can save them from yeah and it's just this false sense of security false sense of invincibility when stock market crash, it caused so many people to collapse because of that false sense of invincibility. Mm-hmm. People that, that felt like they had great power and prestige because of their money. And when that rug got pulled out from under them, they, they, they literally fell so hard. So many people committed suicide yeah. because they, that feeling of false power, that feeling of false security was gone. And they felt like they had nothing without it money money that is so quickly here today and gone tomorrow and now look at the emotions that come from having a lack of it the really the opposite the feeling of impotence feeling like you're power powerless or less than that your identity is scrutinized because of poverty mm-hmm. the the feelings the emotions of insecurity within yourself feeling like you're not enough that you're not a man that you're not uh, xyz because you don't have money and the feel the feeling the emotion of fear really even like the fear of utter ruin that is how much power money can have over somebody's life to where that so many times the first time someone can't pay a bill they literally feel like their whole world is going to crash down I mean, I personally have a lot more experience now when it comes to not being able to pay a bill. <laughs> but I remember the when I first started having this concept of that fear of utter ruin and not being able to make one car payment or not being able to make electricity payment on time. And that fear of utter ruin, like your whole life is going to be destroyed because yeah. of the lack of money. And it puts you in this state of complete fear yeah. that your whole world is going to come crashing down because you don't have enough of it. Yeah. And it, it literally takes on your whole identity to where you'll, you're willing to do things that you normally wouldn't do because money is motivating you. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this point, Lauren? Yeah, On this point, I really feel like um, what it makes me think of is how uh, we nowadays or just in general, like we really have tied, uh, connected our value with mm. money. 
I feel like the major thing that I really like think of is just like how easy it is to determine either your value or the another person's value based off of their uh, money status, their income status, whatever that looks like. And just like you're already talking about, but I feel like the times that we, you know, um, feel like on top of our game and money's coming in, whatever that means, whatever that looks like, and you're feeling on top of it, you're, you know, you have your savings built up, all this kind of stuff. And, and whatever that looks like, you feel valuable. You mm. feel um, like I have something to offer, but money was never meant to determine your value, especially in That's the good. eyes of God. But how many times, like for men and women, but even like men and their a natural desire to provide you know like they have like a little bit more of that like that's just something that ingrained in them like so many times whether it, you're going through a good season but in a difficult season sometimes it really can um, make you feel this false sense of a, like a less of uh, less valuable like you're not meeting it if that makes sense and and for women as well you know and and then I feel like it's also tied to not just like how you feel about yourself but how you view others I've met, you know, different people and some that are very successful and wealthy, which is great. They worked hard to get there and some have a humble heart and very kind to anybody. But then sometimes it gets to your head and you feel like you are so valuable to the world and that you are entitled to really treat others who may have less, may have less money or success than that yourself, that you feel entitled and, and um, justified to treat them less than to judge them, to think that they are not successful, that they're not educated, that they're mm. not smart, and because of that, they don't have money. But never does that uh, equal, oh, if I have money, I am successful. If I have mm. money, I am intelligent. If I have money, I am this, this, and that. Um, and then even when it comes to people that may be struggling for a little bit, for a long time financially, I feel like sometimes it's easy to create this like thought process or mentality like oh i despise rich people they're all this they're all snobby they're all this um and they think they're better than everyone because you have tied the your money the connection of money to value your value or other people's value and so it just really makes me think of like how risky that is and how um deceptive that is we were never meant to connect you know our status and money income whatever to our value or the value of other people ever um, and so, yeah, that's what makes me think of. No, that's so powerful what you're saying, how even both sides can totally judge a complete stranger yeah. without knowing their integrity, without knowing their character, without knowing their heart, mm-hmm. based off of whether they have a lot of money or a little bit of money. Yeah. And that's asinine. Yeah. It, it's completely ignorant. Mm-hmm. And we we don't even realize that the, the motivation of money is causing us to cast complete ignorant judgment on others mm-hmm. and it's just foolish yeah. we, we become the fool in those scenarios yeah. and you know I, I want to I also want to emphasize that in no way in this message are we trying to promote that we shouldn't have money or yeah. that we should we should desire so much money this isn't about whether a poor person is good or a rich person is good there's plenty of wealthy people that are humble and generous mm-hmm. and loving and there's plenty of broke people like me, <laughs> people that uh, impoverished that are generous, wealthy, humble, great, amazing hearts. Mm-hmm. I've seen some of the most generous people that are homeless. I've seen some of the most generous people that have multiple houses. Yeah. I've also seen the most ugly, mm-hmm. <laughs> stinky people, people yeah. that are well off. 
and some of the, the meanest, stingiest people that have nothing. Yeah. And it's not about whether you have a little bit or a lot. It's about identifying the control money is having over you. Yeah. And so now let's go into our, our next point, which yeah. is blinded by its worship. Mm-hmm. Now, like I said earlier, not a lot of us have just set up like a pile of cash and said, <laughs> let's worship this thing. Yeah. You know. Um, That'd be crazy. You won't. <laughs> no, we shouldn't. Uh, I want to say this, that money can blind you from your morals and sabotage your destiny. Mm -hmm. Money can blind you from your morals and sabotage your destiny. Worship is really just intense attention. Mm -hmm. When you think about how we worship God, it's by, you know, some of those sacraments or practices is prayer, reading the Bible, singing songs, um, going to church, what all these things are giving exceptional attention to our Creator. Mm-hmm. That's what worship is, is just giving extreme attention to God. Yeah. And so this idea when Jesus says you cannot worship both God and money, mm-hmm. what he's saying is you cannot give so much of your attention to money and expect God to be satisfied with the leftovers you give him. Mm. It It is is the attention that we give money that's such a a truly a form of worship and people become so blinded by the perception of money when it's worship like this when it's given such extreme attention that they choose their jobs their career paths their life paths marriages i mean uh, the the idea that we choose so many things based off of money based off of money that when, you, when you're in high school, I remember trying to figure out what you're going to do. And, and people ask you, what are you going to do once you graduate? I'm like, I don't know, something that pays good? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's our mo- number one motivation. Yeah. And so many people are in jobs that they despise and they hate because it provided just that money, that motivation yeah. of money. They are not satisfied with it. They try to find pleasure in everything else. That's why they have these affairs. That's why they have all of these... Uh, things that they don't need because they're searching for something to satisfy the the two-thirds of their day that they spend at a job that they hate. Yeah. And I want to go to a step further, and I want to I touch on this subject because I feel like it's important. When, it, when, modi, when money is our number one motivation, not only do we choose jobs based off of money, uh, not only do we choose life paths and marriages, but people also choose abortions, whether or not to have them, based off of the concept of money. Yeah. Now, and I'm not trying to make a stance here, pro-life or pro-choice. I, and I know that people get abortions for all kinds of reasons, but I mean, at the end of the day, one of the number one reasons that people get an abortion is because of the 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 idea of not having enough money. Yeah. Of not being good timing because you you're barely paying the bills and so how am I going to pay the bills for this kid too? Yeah. How am I going to make it financially? And I I want to also go on to say that this as I'm talking about this in no way at all am I trying to shame anybody that has gotten an abortion. I have several family members, close family members that have gotten an abortion, uh, gotten an uh, abortions, and I no way would I want them to feel shame, and no way would I want you to feel shame. But I want us to just look at this concept that that even when it comes to so many people that choose getting an abortion based off of money situations, it most of the time it's not that they don't want a kid. 
but that they're afraid that if they don't have enough money, they're not going to be able to provide for that kid. Yeah. Or what about them? How are they going to make it if they don't have enough money? Mm-hmm. And in our world, when even this topic is discussed so generally and aggressively in public, the, the topic that ends up coming up is this idea of, well, abortion should be provided so, so openly because if these kids actually were born, they're going to grow up in extreme poverty. They're going to be in the system. They're not going to be able to have health care. They're not going to be able to have education so that it would be better for them not to be born. Being a youth worker for more than 10 years, I've worked, me and Lauren both have worked with so many kids, both in well-off situations and in impoverished situations. And from, from the standpoint of impoverished situations, we've We've met with kids and, and counseled kids and prayed with kids and, and walked through lives of, of students and young kids mm-hmm. that have been in extreme poverty, homeless, that um, didn't know how they were going to eat food, went days without eating food, and had no concept of whether they were going to go to college. It was just, it was just day to day. Mm-hmm. And... Even students that were told by their own mother that they wish they were aborted. And dealing with so many life traumas, I rarely did kids actually complain about their poverty. Rarely did kids even complain about not having health care or even food. What what hurt them the most was really just the, the lack of connection from their mom or dad. What really concerned them most was the neglectment. That's what hurt them the most. It, was, it had nothing to do with their finances, but the, just the disconnect that they had from their own parents. And in fact, most of those kids were able to be humorous and joke about the, most of their circumstances of poverty. It was, it was something that they were used to. It wasn't something that they, they despised so much that they had so much attention on money like we have today uh, as adults. But the thing that hurt them the most was the neglectment and feeling like they were a burden because we have a world that tells them that they are. It's no wonder that our suicide rate in young people is so aggressively high when the world is constantly telling them that it would be better off if they were never born Mm -hmm. because of money. That is an, that's why this idea of money being worshipped is such a true statement. And we are blinded by how it really causes others to feel and experience when we make it the number one motivation in the world. When we give it the number one attention even over a child, even over a young person. You know, I, this is something really deep to my heart. And I, I, I want to hear what you have to say about this, this topic so far, Lauren. Um, yeah, I mean, when you're sharing this, it really makes me think of how easy when we really put money um, in that place of worship, whether we're, we, most times we don't even realize it, but when we do, I find that we end up making these lifelong permanent decisions mm. based off of money. And the Bible says a lot about money. And one thing that it always reminds me of is that it says that money always grows wings and flies away. Yeah. We are making permanent, lifelong decisions off of something that is so temporary yeah. and literally is in and out of our lives. There's moments where you're on, you have it all. There's moments when you don't, and it's going to be like that 
for the more than likely for the rest of our life right money grows wings and flies away but yet we trust it so much yet we try to let it be our foundation we try to lean on it we try to trust in it and say okay if i have money then I can make these decisions and money will always be there to hold this decision down, if that makes sense. With my job, with my children, just like that topic of abortion, yeah. like with um, marriages, with life, whatever it looks like. But we have to take a step back and stop making lifelong permanent decisions based on our uh, financial status at the moment yeah. or the financial status we want or what, whatever we're striving for, because at the end of the day, we cannot trust in it. We cannot lean yeah. on it. If you get that job you've always wanted, great. Thank God, like he did it. But who says either you might have it the rest of your life, well, one day it could be snatched from you. It goes from the, yeah. ver that, and it goes back to that verse that grows wings and it flies away. So you really can't, no matter how secure the financial status looks like, the job, the marriage, you know, you're trying to say, oh, should I marry this guy or this guy? He's got a lot of money, but I love this one. Dude, <laughs> like money's gonna leave. So if you're making decisions based off of that, you are cheating yourself yeah. and you are, um, making just like I keep saying like so don't let money be the reason yeah. why you make these permanent lifelong decisions because it will not be there when you need it the yeah. most God will he'll provide yes but it is not something that you can trust in and lean on yeah. God is and so you have to just allow God to be the one who helps you navigate these lifelong decisions yeah. and trust him over whatever um, money situation you're facing and so that's what it makes me think of you know I, I like how you touched on <clears throat> marriage too that there's so many people that um, that choose a person because of their financial standing mm -hmm. over some uh, over someone that they like have true feelings for yeah. or even like and I mean you don't have to watch too many movies to find out like how unhappy of yeah. a decision that is in the long run mm -hmm. and how people are so miserable when they marry for money yeah. because it doesn't give them happiness and if you really think about fully think about this concept if you were to have all the money that in the world if there's if you had no lack then what You'd be able to, you'd be able to be like ecstatic for a couple months, mm -hmm. maybe a year, mm -hmm. but after buying everything that you've ever wanted to buy, just like now when you buy a new thing, you get tired of it. Yeah. And it that's that's what that's why so many early uh, rich people end up going through depression because they find out how unsatisfying it is. Yeah. You know how many rich people are on antidepressants because they find no value in their life after finding all this wealth. Mm -hmm. And the this idea of just like I mean, if, say you're able to, you're always wanted to get a Mercedes or a Lamborghini or something crazy car, yeah, whatever. Something crazy. And then you get it, and and you can drive it anywhere. Now what? Like now you have the rest of your life to. What are you gonna do? And um, it, it's the the concept of that money will just satisfy you. It will only it, money satisfying you. Anything satisfying you is actually insatiable. Mm -hmm. It will never be enough to fully close that that desire to be satisfied. Yeah. In First Timothy, uh, chapter six, verses six through ten, it says, "Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth." Contentment is another word for satisfied. Mm -hmm. I am satisfied. I am content. It says is itself great wealth after all we brought nothing with us when we came into the world 
and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. I did bring OCD, though. Oh, <laughs> this guy, no. Just joking. <laughs> so if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. The, notice how, how very broad that is. And then it goes on to say, But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Paul is just giving this whole exhortation about how not money being the root of all evil, but that the love of money is the root of all evil. That the craving of money is the root of all evil. And when you even look at the the depth, like, you know, I, I'm really sick of talking about politics. Are you? <laughs> hey, calm down. But even when you look at that, how so many people vote have a motivation of money to it. The, you know, the most common idea is taxes. Am I going to pay less taxes or am I going to pay more taxes? Am I going to get a stimulus check if I vote for this person? It, are, it, there's literally motivating factors of how we vote for the future of our country based off of money. And here it's saying craving money like that will get so easily lead us away from our faith. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like this verse just really expounds on the harmfulness of just worshiping it mm-hmm. and desiring it so much. Yeah. Any final thoughts on this verse, Lauren? Um, I mean, I think this verse is just really real. And I feel like one major thing, like it even says how um, some people craving it have wandered from the true faith. Like, mm-hmm. And here's the thing, like, you know, sometimes just that overwhelming desire to just chase that paper, you know, hustle. It's all good to work hard. It's good. Like all those things are good. But when you begin little by little, it happens slowly sometimes. When you begin to choose money over even going to church, choose money Ouch. over, you know, things that are life-giving to you, whether it's Bible studies, community, connection, even your time with God. Yes, we need to pay bills. You, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. But I have seen it happen before um, where people are really beginning their faith with God. They're excited. They're wanting to connect. They're doing it. And the temptation comes. It's not even that they're looking for it, but the temptation comes. It's like, hey, man, like if you work on Sundays, I'll give you a billion dollars. It's a joke. I'll take it. I'm joking. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, is the, the lure of money, the temptation of money, can easily even take you from your faith yeah. if you're not careful. And so many times we, we think, oh, well, I need money. Like, I need to save. I need to do this. So I'm going to do it. Like, you know, it's understandable. Yeah. But that, again, that is not putting, if that's your desire to put God first and to seek Him and really grow your relationship, then let it be first. If money is in the way of that, it's so easy nowadays, and I've seen it so many times, to choose that over God, even if it's as simple as going to church or as simple as, um, doing anything. I don't know what, but I just think of church right away, but those concepts of, of, uh, growing in your faith, choose that over that. And God always comes through. Yeah. It's like that other verse um, that you said earlier, you know, seek first the kingdom of God, live yeah. righteously and he will give you everything you need. But sometimes we just get it twisted yeah. and you'll begin to feel it, you know? And so it's not, money's just not life giving like God is, you know? Yeah. And it even makes me think about like when it comes to taking a career path that 
that goes against your morals. And not that sales is against morals, but I remember taking sales jobs and one sales job in particular what had a guaranteed paycheck and then plus commission and but part of the pitch that they wanted me to do involved like deceiving the customer mm-hmm. and like starting off with a point like a, with a white lie yeah. and it was so against my morality and my morals as a Christian that why I didn't want to I didn't want to do that and it was like a moment of having to choose like financial security or like my Christian integrity yeah. and those are tough decisions to make mm-hmm. but those are moments where we choose truly like God or money. And the other thing that, that made me think about as you we were talking is even when it comes to family, another thing of being youth workers oh, yeah. for the last 10 years is that so many kids are broken on the inside because they do not have time with their parents mm-hmm. because it's always about work. It's always about getting the money. And, and I, I want to just emphasize that even taking a step away from just the idea of like church and God, mm-hmm. but even with your own family, what good would it do for you to give, be able to uh, give your kids everything that you didn't have, but then take away from them their parent? Yeah. You know, I'm telling you, I've, we've worked with a lot of kids and they don't even care about the stuff. Yeah. They, they literally wish that they had a better relationship with their parents. Yeah. And those are the things that they hold with them after they graduate for the rest of their lives they remember the moments that they had when they were a kid think about you when you're a kid what do you remember most the the things that your parents gave you or the moments that you had with them Mm -hmm. and i really urge you to to not get so caught up in keeping up with the joneses not get so caught up in trying to make everything about uh, money and getting the next paycheck and what able what, being even able to well I want them to be able to have their own car I never got to have my own car yeah but you you don't want to overstep to where you end up taking away something more valuable and that's a relationship with them yeah. um, and our last our last point is trusting God in the ordinary <clears throat> trusting God in the ordinary and what what that means is when we look at the verses that we saw earlier Jesus was saying. That doesn't God feed even the birds? Mm-hmm. And when you think about that, that is not extraordinary. I mean, birds eat anything. They'll eat French fries at you know in a parking yeah. lot. They'll eat random bugs like pretzels. Your toddlers yeah. drop on the floor. I saw it today. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so the idea where Jesus is saying that God feeds even the birds—that's an extremely ordinary thing that Jesus is saying. Trust God. Yeah. And I want to. What I'm saying with that is that that the very seemingly ordinary avenues of money in our life today, in our world today, are actually God's sovereignty that he set up for us to receive. Mm-hmm. So many times as Christians, we want God to provide in a supernatural, miraculous way. But often, he has already set up an ordinary way for us to receive it. Yeah. I want to even look at the look at the concept of not having money for food for food. Mm-hmm. Bummer, right? We've been there, mm-hmm. and we we often want to pray God provide a miraculous way, you know, and we expect for a random stranger to send us like a thousand dollar check or for someone to just ring bring, the doorbell with ten pizzas. Yeah, just just <laughs> something crazy, unexpected. God, yeah. if you're there, you see us, you can do it. And we pray these extraordinary prayers, and then so many Christians are disappointed to the point of even abandoning their faith, abandoning their faith because God didn't show up. Yeah. But 
when we take a step back, God already, in his sovereignty, it says that God causes nations to rise and fall. He caused us to, to be in a nation like the U.S. to where even food stamps is available. Mm -hmm. To where food stamps, that is, that is God's sovereignty of being an avenue of provision. And so where when we, if, if you need food stamps, that, that is God's avenue of providing for you. And that we do not trust in the avenue, but we trust in God, the creator. Mm -hmm. We never trust in the created. We always trust in the creator. Mm -hmm. And even food stamps, it, who knows, maybe in a couple months, a year, whatever, it might not be available anymore. And then that's where we, again, trust God that he's going to make another avenue for that, mm -hmm. for that provision. But that no matter the avenue that we can trust God for it. And even if the avenue is incredibly ordinary, it doesn't mean that God's hand isn't in it. Right. And with that being said, I, I want to say that God will not allow himself to be tested. And he doesn't often perform extraordinary miracles for ordinary problems. Mm. Be not mistaken, God doesn't call us to be poor. And he certainly doesn't condemn the rich. In fact, many men of faith in the Bible were made extremely wealthy because of their loyalty and faithfulness to God. And God used both the rich and the poor to carry out his will all throughout the history of the Bible. He shows no partiality. Mm -hmm. And the emphasis that God truly cares about is our heart, our intention, and our attention. Mm -hmm. Even when you look at the birth of in resurrection of Jesus Christ. At his birth, who who did God invite? The shepherds and the night shift shepherds in the field and the rich and wealthy Magi. The Magi were actually uh, so wealthy that they brought gold and frankincense, all these gifts, while the shepherds didn't have anything to bring. Mm -hmm. The night shift shepherds were known as the, that that job that working class was the least some of the lowest of the, a job level towards a night shift shepherd, equivalent to what, like a night shift Burger King worker. Mm -hmm. And God invited them to be the witness of the birth of Jesus, as well as wealthy Magi that traveled from a distant land that were, uh, that, that were just spoken to by Herod the king. Like that's how wealthy they were, that they were allowed to go into the king's presence. Mm -hmm. And he called both the poor and the rich. And then even in the resurrection, Mary Magdalene was one of the was the first person to see Jesus resurrected, and she was completely impoverished. Mm -hmm. And while at the same time, Jesus was laid in a rich man's t in the uh, rich man's tomb. Mm -hmm. It was it took a rich man to be able to purchase the tomb. So both at the birth and resurrection of Jesus, it involved both the poor and the rich. Mm -hmm. God shows no partiality, yeah. and growing. What we need to grow is do is grow into a place of trust with God to provide. And it should be taken to the simplest level first rather than starting with the seemingly miraculous. Yeah. Just like I was saying earlier, we pray for like a miracle when in reality God has already set up an ordinary thing. Yeah. And in no way am I trying to suggest that we shouldn't pray for ordinary things. Mm -hmm. I love ordinary answered prayers and miracles. In fact, one of my favorite ordinary miracles okay. was when I was doing a garage sale at our old church mm -hmm. and someone had bought like this big 32 inch box TV, mm -hmm. weighed like 80 pounds, super yeah. heavy. And I was, I was taking it to the, the person's truck 
and they had a, a closed bed truck and they were trying to open it, but they couldn't get it open. And I'm sitting there holding this big TV and I'm like, it, like literally sweating bullets. Like my hands are shaking. I'm like, oh my God, like please open the door. And they just like sitting there like, I don't know why it won't open. And no lie, this is, this is a true story and it's, it's serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just thought to the scriptures I've read about Jesus, Jesus opening the eyes of the blind, mm-hmm. causing the deaf to speak. Honestly. And I literally looked up to heaven and I looked at that truck bed and I said, be opened. <laughs> and there was witnesses there that heard me say it. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I said, be open, the pop, look at the that. truck, the truck opened up and they're like, oh, would you look at that? Would you look at it? And even the witness that was standing next to me said, mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, that's right. That was God right there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and so I say that story, which is funny. It is funny. It's a real story. Real and a funny one. But to say that God God loves to work in the ordinary, that yeah. he doesn't want us to stop praying ordinary prayers, that he'll still show up. I, one of my favorite prayers is when I prayed for that goldfish to resurrect. It, that goldfish was dead, mm-hmm. and it resurrected, it's and it was living. swimming the next day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Only God. Yeah. And <laughs> but what I'm getting at is that that so often... We allow ourselves to be extremely disappointed when we prayed for God to give us a miraculous sign that he has called us to buy this car instead of that car. Mm-hmm. Like, well, God didn't show me. Mm-hmm. He doesn't exist. Yeah. And I want us to take a step back and, and understand that God tells people in the Bible countless times and gave them comp- confirming signs to do this or that. One of the most well-known ones is when God was calling someone to go to war uh, to fight a battle against their oppressors with only 300 men mm-hmm. against thousands of soldiers and he said god you're gonna have to give me a sign if if it's really you telling me to do this then make this fleece i'm gonna lay out on the floor cause it to be have dew in the morning but all the grass around it to be dry it happened he said okay well shoot god just to be sure okay because that could have been a coincidence mm-hmm. Tomorrow will cause the opposite to happen, cause the fleece to be dry and the grass to be wet. And God did it. And so many times we read that and think, well, I could do that just like if really I need it. God, if you want me to tell off my boss right now, then cause someone to send me an instant message. Cause, mm-hmm. cause my wife cause to, my mom to call yeah, me right cause now. Cause my, call, cause my wife to text me. She always texts me around this time. And, <laughs> and we, and we pray these prayers like that for simple, ordinary things and they were like, well, God didn't, God didn't show himself. Yeah. He must not really be there mm-hmm. or he hates me. Mm-hmm. And the truth is God showed himself in miraculous ways when he was calling countries to, to break off the yokes and oppression of their, their persecutors. He's got like life or death situations where people are like, God, I really need to make sure it's you. Mm-hmm. Those were moments where he, he caused sons to stand still. The sun to stand still caused miraculous things, shadows to go backwards, super ooga booga stuff. But they were like really intense situations that God was calling them to. Yeah. Not whether or not they should buy this car or not whether or not this person was going to be my my husband or my wife. They, they were not ordinary things like that. And often we are testing God when the Bible says that he will not be tested. Yeah. And we're trying to treat God like a tarot card reading or like a horoscope mm-hmm. because we're so insecure about our decisions. But the truth is 
God's not going to probably tell you to do something simple because he gave you the free will to choose. Mm -hmm. And it's not up to him to choose. He gave you the free will to choose this or that. Yeah. And so pick where you want to go out to eat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what do you have to say on closing on this note? Um, I mean, I think it's very powerful. And I think that... Um, so many times like we're blind to um, God answering our prayers in very ordinary ways. Again, like you said, like we're looking for these crazy miraculous ways. We're looking and I remember like when I was like like kind of younger in my faith, I was always like, it's just cool like to get a sign. Like you just think like, oh, because then it's easier to trust it. Like when you get this big sign, whatever that looks like, it's like, oh, well, it was obvious so I can trust it. Mm. You know, like that had to be God. You take faith out of the equation. Exactly. And you're putting faith in the sign rather than faith in God to do what only he can do, you know. And, and it gets dangerous because then you begin demanding signs for every little thing. You know, God do this. And you, you make up the signs. You're like, well, do it hmm, like this or like this in your own mind. And it makes me think of that verse that says, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean, depend on your own understanding. Mm, in all your ways, good. acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So, you know, that's just showing us, like, stop depending on your understanding, on your understanding of yeah. the sign that you want of trying to gain understanding of how God works and how he's going to answer your prayers. Just simply trust him. And in all that you do, acknowledge him and just say, hey, God, this is, I'm confused about this. I need guidance. I'm, I'm seeking this and this. I don't understand it. But I acknowledge you, like, have your way in this. And he will, yeah. you know. And so, and, and I feel like it's so easy like God is answering prayers all the time. Every day he truly is. Like that is God. Yeah. But we are blind to it, I feel like. And we don't acknowledge it. So let alone, do we not acknowledge it? We're, we're not grateful. We don't thank him. And we're always upset thinking God is not coming through for yeah. us when he has answered our prayers daily in very simple and ordinary ways. Yeah. Does God do miracles? Heck yeah. We've seen miraculous things and he will on his own like decision like when he sees that a miracle is needed he will do it but let him just answer prayers in the most in, in ordinary ways too and it's so beautiful if you open your eyes and see it and so yeah that's what i'm just thinking about. you know i i really love the the emphasis that you're making too just on how just like just reiterating like how we expect these these signs and these these crazy miracles and when God has set up such ordinary ways, the birds are fed by worms in the ground. Mm -hmm. You know, birds are fed by, by litter, yeah. <laughs> you know. And, and we expect God not to, Jesus literally says, just like this, he will do for you. Mm -hmm. Just like how he causes the lilies to be clothed, so you'll be clothed. Those are ordinary ways, like, like goodwill, mm -hmm. like Ross, like, <laughs> yeah. amen, Ross. Right. <laughs> like those are ways that God provides and we can't expect fur coats, you know, because, or, you know, like these just extravagant miracles when, when God has already set up ordinary paths for us. Yeah. And I want to end on this note that I feel like, um, that one of the most powerful things that Jesus uh, called us to do that the Bible teaches mankind is to be generous. Uh, you know, even when God called, pe uh, called people to tithe, give 10% of their income, and it's like at first glance it gives this perception like oh like that's just a money scheme mm -hmm. but i really feel like 
for me when I first when I first started tithing, I just did it because I read about Abraham doing it in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I was about to sacrifice an animal too. So Thank God. <laughs> I, I was right before I realized that Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, I was outside looking for birds to twist their heads off like I need to get my sins forgiven. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but <laughs> but I realized Jesus was the yeah, ultimate sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, so did. I put the bird back. Yeah. <laughs> and but you know, I when I there's so many times where I wondered about this concept of money and what I've learned is that the I feel like the greatest reason that God calls us to be generous is really because it keeps a constant check on our heart yeah. when it comes to our love for money. It, it always checks us and reminds us. And I remember times of always being a tither, times where being uh, really strapped for cash, just being broke and having to make decisions whether to make my car payment or pay my tithe. Mm-hmm. And those are tough decisions to make. Yeah. And that's when I had a little bit. And I also remember moments of uh, having great, uh, feeling super financially secure, having an emergency fund and feeling just great. And then getting like a like a surprise big tax return or getting like a, a bonus or something like that. So I'm like, dang, like this is a lot of money. Yeah. And all of a sudden having that same, that same feeling like, well, do I really need to tithe this much? Mm-hmm. Like, that's a lot to tithe. Like, that's a like that's a PS Five. Oh, like, okay. <laughs> like, do I? That's a new TV. Mm-hmm. Do, do I need to really tithe that? Mm-hmm. And that concept of well, I will tithe or I'll I'll be generous when I have a lot. It's you'll the same way that you do with a little is the same way that you'll do yeah. with a lot. That if you're if you're rude to people when you have a little bit, if you're stingy when you have a little bit, you'll be stingy when you have a lot. Yeah. And, and it really, this idea of generosity and tithing, it just keeps a constant check on your heart yeah. to where every time I tithe, I feel something happening in my heart. Mm-hmm. Every time I leave a tip, I feel that mug. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's really just a direct connection on our heart. And so, um, with that, you know, we're going to end on that note, but any last comments for this, Lauren? I mean, you know, Homer, you, you said it all. <laughs> um, I mean... I just think it's a, especially like with the whole tithing and like giving, um, that concept of money, you know, it's just, it just really does soften your heart. It really does, um, just put your heart in check. Like you said, like, cause it's yeah. so easy to be dominated. Like we talked about this whole message just being dominated by and worshiping money, whether we realize it or not. But when we make that decision yeah. to give in the times where it feels easy and the times where it's not, that's when you really are showing God, God's not asking you for, to, please him or show him anything great in that aspect but what i mean is you're just reminding god like hey i trust you like i could keep this i could you know keep it to feel more secure but at the end of the day you are my security and you make me feel more secure than having this amount of money in my hand so i would like to like tithe or give this to you as an offering and in in doing that it really does exchange like that concept of like you are my security not this you know you are give me security because i just you know heard this message about how you know you say in the bible money will grow wings and fly away so we can't put our security in that but when we really embrace this concept of giving it helps us like realign like our our security being in god yeah um, i feel like and so yeah you know it, it makes me you know, conclude, concluding here, uh, it makes me think of the most well-known verse is John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And Paul talks about how, uh, how Jesus didn't consider his, his, um, himself 
too great to come to earth to be a, a sacrifice and an offering for us. And when I, when this whole concept about money, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's not about money. It's about God. It's about the creator. And you know, the, where, where it feels like for you is what really God is wanting to speak to. I want you to just take a moment to pray and, and close your eyes and ask, God, what is it that you are trying to say to me today? What is it that I need to take away from this? And I really believe that there's someone listening to this right now that, that God is wanting to have a shift in your heart to where he's calling you to trust him. And it's been a place that has been so hard for you to trust him. You can trust him with everything else, but it's like you're getting baptized and you're going down in the water, but you hold up your wallet mm. because you're saying, God, you can have everything but this. I'll control this. And God is saying, you can trust me with that. Um, and if you're listening to this and you're ready to just fully give yourself to God and say, I want to be all in with Jesus, all you have to do is have a prayer with him and, sit and tell God, what you want, where you want to go with him and say that you want to start a journey. So many times we go months and years with having something in the back of our hearts, but never making a decision. Let today be a decision moment for you and have just a genuine, authentic prayer with Jesus and say, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to be the savior to my soul. You died for me on the cross. You rose from the dead. I want to make this serious and have that conversation with him. Um, with all that being said, we are going to close out and a uh, great segue to where if you, <laughs> if you have it on your hearts to give today, we never want you to give out of pressure or persuasion. This message was not to just because we were thinking we need to really do an offering call today. <laughs> no, we don't want you to feel pressured or persuaded to give if it's not on your heart to give. But if you want to make Grave Top Church your home church, you want to tithe, you want to donate, you make a difference by doing so. And so you can do that by going to gravetop.com, click the Give tab, it tells you all the ways to give there. You can give online, you can even give through third-party apps like Venmo or Cash App. But we want you to know that we are so grateful um, and, and so grateful for those of you who donate, you make a difference. We love you guys so much. Have a great evening. Yes, Bye. Good night. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.